We're going on an adventure, Team Health Tech. So if there's one thing that we're not short of in this industry of healthcare is expos and events and meetups. Because they're a great way to bring the ecosystem together. Which is what this podcast is all about, right? Breaking down the silos, improving patient outcomes, reducing the inefficiencies, all of that. And these events do a lot of that too, right? Bring everyone together to learn and connect. It's all really important. And Australian Healthcare Week does a really good job of that. And that's where we're going today. So at Australian Healthcare Week, there'll be 1,500 attendees, 150 different speakers, lots of exhibitors, seven different stages, including the digital health stage, as well as patient experience, aged care, startups, and a lot more. It's definitely the place to be this week if you're in Sydney and have anything to do with healthcare. Talking of sex, not just attending Australian Healthcare Week, but we'll be exhibiting right here next to the digital health stage. We'll be recording interviews with speakers, catching up with other attendees, THT Plus members, and just anyone else that's attending the event. Now, I know what you might be thinking, which is, that's all well and good, Pete, but what's the go with the van? Because most people, when they do an exhibition, they get their stuff couriered in, they just rock up to their booth and it's all ready to go. But here I am, lugging everything in and setting it up myself. I don't know, it's like a sense of adventure or creativity, doing it yourself, getting your hands dirty. That's just always been my way. Look, the quality of the sessions that are going to happen here at Australian Healthcare Week are really good. I had a sneak peek at the agenda and there's going to be sessions on the digital health stage just there about how consumer expectations have shifted about healthcare innovation and technology and with that shift to more patient-centric health, the role that interoperability plays with all of that. There's going to be that discussion about activity-based funding and value-based care, digital health record rollouts, 
lessons learnt from different healthcare systems, how we keep the momentum going post-COVID with innovation, how to demonstrate return on investment on innovative technologies like virtual reality in a public health setting, how technology can help with that burden on the frontline workforce in rural and remote areas across Australia. And that's just all happening on the digital health stage and there's a bunch of other stages with some great content on them today as well. So in this episode today we're bringing you conversations we had with speakers, attendees and anyone else at Australian Healthcare Week 2023 collaboration starts with a conversation team health tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or ten minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Um, so I'm, my name is Harry Alsman, joining you from Gadigal Land here in Sydney, resident of Sydney as well. Um, I'm a health consumer leader and I run a uh, co-design and lived experience engagement consultancy as well. So I did a lot, a lot of work with the health sector around how best to engage meaningfully and valuably with health consumers, patients in the community. Super important. What brings you to the event today? Uh, I'm speaking this morning and tomorrow morning. So I'm on the digital health panel this morning and I'm on the patient experience channel tomorrow morning as well. Got it. There's quite a few different tracks going on isn't there there are there's a lot here at health week yeah and is there a bit of crossover do you find between the the you know stuff happening on the digital health stage let's say and then the patient engagement yeah i've look i've been attending health week as a speaker for probably about four or five years now and it's been interesting to see sort of as the events have evolved and as the sectors evolved there's a lot more linkage between all the different parts of the event on the day um so it's, it's been really nice to see, sort of, I guess, the spirit of intersectionality and interoperability is coming together a little bit just in the way that people are physically connecting in the space too. And, and what are you going to be talking about in your sessions today? Uh, so this morning, it's um, myself and a number of other panellists um, talking about sort of the consumer perspective on digital innovation and the usefulness and value of digital innovation to consumers in the health space. Um, so there's a couple of, I think, interesting concepts that I want to sort of highlight this morning talking about what's truly patient-centred. Um, there's this fantastic analogy I like to use around uh, sort of, I call it the Colosseum of patient centricity. And that's that from the top down, a lot of stuff looks patient-centred when we just cluster care around the patient. But mm. then when you actually get onto the ground and have a 3D view of it, you realise that you're in the fighting pit in the Colosseum and all your care's 30 feet up behind a wall in the, yeah. in the wings. It's a pretty common kind of picture, isn't it? Like the two images, like the before and after, as if that's going to fix everything, where it's, oh, the yeah. patient's is one stakeholder and here is everyone. And then now we put the patient at the centre and have things point at it. I but think it's it's an interesting mark of how eager the sector is to mm. adopt a new way of thinking, but in a number of other ways that there isn't the same maturity in how, that, how the application of that concept has been developed. So we end up with this probably a bit too simplistic view of, well, patient-centred care just means physically putting a patient in the middle of everything, which is not necessarily the case. Yeah. Lastly then, Harry, what are you hoping that people walk away from your sessions today at Australian Healthcare Week? 
Uh, I'd, I'd like people to take probably a more nuanced and, and matured approach to the way they engage with, with consumers in the community. I think I'd also like people to be able to recognise that consumers are often just more than consumers. I mean, this morning, me talking on the digital health panel is, is, is as much me as a consumer leader as it is a digital leader as mm. well. So there's sort of a combination of two perspectives that I'm bringing. So it'd be nice to see people... I think associating and engaging with consumers is bringing more to the table than just their lived experience. There's often a lot of really, really core sort of intersectional understandings of the way different systems and processes in the health sector works. Um, hi, I'm Jeanette Anderson. So I'm the director of uh, digital health at the Ionear Hospital in Melbourne. Um, so I've got responsibility for the informatics team, our digital health products, uh, projects that are part of the digital health strategy and our ICT team, so servers, cybersecurity and all those things um, roll up into my directorate. An important directorate at that too, but what brings you to Australian Healthcare Week this week and today? So um, it's ex was exciting to get on a plane again um, yeah. and, head to, and head to Sydney. It's been, it's been a little while. Um, and you know, so they asked me to, to talk last year about some of the, the things that we were doing at the Ioneer. We're in the middle of a, a really 10-year uh, ten, ten redevelopment project. Um, so I'm talking at the conference about our, some of the lessons learned from our redevelopment and really how we need to integrate the electronic and the technology with, um, with some of the physical spaces and some of those challenges. Yeah, right. And what are some of those, um, the, the biggest challenge that you're finding in integrating those two things together? Um, I think that a lot of times where the ICT needs to go is it needs to go in a closet mm. and, and those kind of things that they've... Uh, as it's been an afterthought, but it's really making sure that you get on upfront in some of that design, especially as we become more and more reliant on technology and the redundancy and those kind of things. Yeah. Um, in the patient and clinical space, our, our patients have a number of um, a number of more, you know, we, we're an eye and ear hospital, so we have a lot of patients that need to read lips. So it makes it really important where you actually put the patients in the room and where you put the providers in the room so that they're able to get that eye contact, able to read lips, able to, to get the full um, experience, as well as patients who really need to know, um, you know, our, our blind patients that need to really know where someone is in a yeah. space. So, you know, making sure that we've got a lot of very clear egress and, and those and those kind of things, signage is critically important. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's some of those challenges that, you know, it's around, and then where do you put the computer? So where do you put the computer in the room how do you have to set that? How do you have to set that up? Because you know the best locations and places for computers and best way to use that computer may not is is not necessarily conducive to also being able to speak to the patient at the same time and have that patient see their record. Yeah, you know, you mentioned at the start there that your your remit kind of all is all encompassing, including the cybersecurity governance. Like so, there's those aspects are quite different to you know where the computer goes or like the experience side of it. How much of your time do you find you're spending on the, you know, the experience aspect versus the, the, the governance and the cyber? Do they interrelate? Are they two different worlds? Do we need to be bringing them closer together? I mean, right now I would say they're probably um, a bit of two different worlds, but I think it's, it's going to be more and more important that you know, technology is everywhere. We know that. We know that in our daily lives, but we haven't quite translated that into what does that really mean for me at work versus what yeah. does that mean for me at home? What versus what does that mean for me in a healthcare, in a healthcare setting? Um, you know, cyber is on everyone's on everyone's mind, um, and as it as it should be. But it really is difficult sometimes to really produce something usable with multi-factor authentication. We have to have it. We have to have it. It's too dangerous to mm. to run. 
to run without it, especially with some of the breaches that have happened. But it also doesn't necessarily make it super easy for the clinicians to share data and super easy for for everybody to, you know, to, to log in and, and those kind of things. So, um, you know, definitely some challenges in those in those areas. And you're going to be up on stage at some point today at this event. What are you hoping that people will take away from the sessions that you're involved in today? Um, yeah, I'm in a, a panel for, for startups, and I think one of the important things for startups to understand are some of those challenges around cybersecurity, privacy, you know, and really making sure that they understand the real challenges that there are when they hold very precious patient data and, and patient data that it can, can be you know, harmful in a lot of ways if it, if it gets out to the, to the right people. Mm. Um, you know, so I think that's one of the things that I, we want to talk about at the session is, you know, how, do, how are they aware of cybersecurity while still, you know, allowing to, them to achieve, achieve the innovations that they want and, and that patient control of that data um, as they want. And then again, I think the other thing that it's, um, you know, one of the things that especially when we're talking about the redevelopment of a new facility, making sure that people, you know, do, um, do bring those IT departments and ICT departments in. You know that we are actually able to to be that that part of the um, part of the health system and part of you know and, and really you know that that we're there from an ICT support um, system to support yeah. our clinicians and to support our patients in their in their journeys. So it's it's not an afterthought. It's not it's not the guys in the basement, um, which is always fun for me as the only woman in a lot of meetings I'm in. But right. yeah. <laughs> but ICT is not not the not the guys in the basement. Like a good a good IT team really supports the patients and supports the clinicians in, in making sure that the systems are up, ready, available, redundant. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. Hi, Peter. Nice to be here with you again. <laughs> um, so I'm Graham Grief. I'm, well, I, I'm all sorts of things. I'm, I've been in Australia for a long time working in healthcare interoperability, data exchange, and I've ended up as... Project, product Director for FIRE, which is a, the main standard for future interoperability. And as a Product Director for FIRE, I work with governments and vendors and institutions all around the world, exploring how we can better exchange healthcare data globally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's been your, your mainstay thing for, for quite a while. So yeah, that's what I do. It, yeah. It's not a health tech event without a, well, not a digital health event without Graham coming and talking about fire, but is that what you're doing today? You've been on the stage already and got some. Yeah, well, we just were having a debate about 
whether Australia's on the right direction for getting to integrated healthcare, with the digital, the digital infrastructure, and and I think technically we won with a massive victory, but I think it was much more. Um, it was much more even than that. Yeah. We're doing some good things, and we finally have some really good directions that we're going in good progress. On the other hand, there's lots of things we're not doing that we need to be doing, um, and we're still really we're still building better silos. Yeah. Right. That's, okay. And that's what I said in the debate, and that pretty much was echoed all the way through. Are we or aren't we? Is that good or not? Yeah. But that's what we're doing. We're building better silos, bigger silos. But the bigger silos, the bigger they are, the harder they are to collapse together. And so I'm not sure that that's actually progress. Real progress comes slowly. Community standards, community development, consistent behavior. No, we're still a long way away from that. And so that's kind of the way forward then is continuing that the, you know, there's such a strong actual seven fire community concept of, you know, growing together and doing that. Is that, is that the way forward for us to continue to do that in um, that progressive way, building that? I think we talked about the plumbing in one of the really early episodes. Like that's what we're, yeah, we're you, build the plumbing construction. you've got to get the foundations and the plumbing correct. If you don't do that, then you're always going to be sliding around, mm. you know, the house on the sand thing. There's, nothing's changed. Yeah. And so I'm here saying, let's build some, you know, foundations. The foundations are actually really hard because it's really easy to look like you're making progress and really hard to actually make progress. And and I've been really frustrated, particularly with the former government, because they talked the talk, but they never walked the walk. And now at least we have better engagement, we have better planning, we have a government's trying to walk the walk. I'm, I'm somewhat encouraged by that. And hopefully we can get in and and actually achieve some foundational work. I was going to say, last thing then, you know, how do we take this from being a bunch of middle-aged white guys standing on a stage talking to the industry about this kind of thing to actually having, like, real meaningful impact that happens within healthcare? Like, what can people take away from, from these types of sessions to, to implement? Um, I mean, I think most of them took away that we've got good stuff in train, but we've got further to go, we've got a lot more to do. How do you get away from the talking heads model? In some ways, we were talking about this afterwards, in some ways you're not. In some ways, if we come back in 30 years' time and I'll be, like, kissing off and retiring, well done for retiring, we'll still be having the same discussion. Why can't we get anything done? But, in fact, we'll be arguing about stuff that's not even possible to argue about today. Yeah. Right? We'll have achieved everything we're doing today and we're still having the same discussions about something we've never thought of as possible. And so, in some ways, the discussion never changes. Why can't we progress faster? And, but actually, we're doing stuff. And, and so stuff is happening slowly, but I am hopeful that over the next 10 years we can, as other countries succeed at doing what, what I'm advocating for and we're left behind, that we'll succeed in internalising the value of investing in building the foundations correctly. Right, I mean, we pretty clearly had a government that wasn't building proper foundations and we're now seeing the cost of that I'm kind of hoping that we'll get the point in digital health and we will be able to more efficiently achieve the things we're arguing about. But in the end, for me, the biggest single thing that we need to do in Australia is build the workforce capacity. We just don't have enough people doing healthcare IT in depth Mm. and who are making it a career and building out capacity. Companies can't hire people institutions can't hire people so a lot of our effort goes into skilling up Mm. the few people that we have and so for me 
Workforce is the actual biggest issue. So my name is Sandip Kumar. I'm the Exec Director for Strategy, Transformation, Major Capital and Digital at Gold Coast Health. Uh, so I get to oversee uh, a bespoke transformation function inside healthcare that we've built in Gold Coast over the last three years. I get to oversee all major capital initiatives at Gold Coast. I get to oversee a lot of our research agenda. I get to play with all the technology innovation that we're driving, all our revenue models. So I get a really broad aspect, strategy, planning. Um, so there are 15 different functions in, in, in my division that yeah. kind of work at, you know, towards the, the future, really. It sounds like a fun gig. <laughs> It's very exciting, yes. <laughs> very broad too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what brings you to this event today? Uh, what, you know, what really excites me about these events is just opening my mind to what other providers or technology companies are doing. And it's really just a pressure test for me to see, you know, have we, are we making the right choices? Are there other solutions that are better than ours? Is there thinking that we should adopt? But also it's nice to connect with a community of innovators that are kind of future focused. And, and so you up, are you up on stage at some point today in a panel? I've been. I've yeah. spoke for uh, 50 minutes. It was called The Great Debate about integrated care. I was on the yes side. Yeah. And, wh- and what does that mean? T- talk to me a bit more about it. What, what happened there? Yeah, look, integrated care for us, uh, it, it starts with my CEO, really. Ten, you know, ten years ago, uh, Ron Calvert, who's the CEO of Gold Coast Hospital and Health Service, uh, came across in the UK, really focused around this idea about integrating care across primary, acute, uh, NGO type providers and, and the whole philosophy was can we make sure that whatever we do is all centered around the patient which is ultimately what, we're all, what we always talk about and really that we drive the use of resources and capacity to best effect to meet the patient's needs now that sounds like a bunch of words you know <laughs> in simple world simple words if a patient needs healthcare, yeah and are they accessing the right clinician at the right time is it in the right environment we don't need patients and languishing hospital beds. That's not what they want. It's not what we need. Um, and so integrated care is really about making sure the patient is serviced in mm. the community where they want to be serviced and it's the right clinician in front of them giving yeah. them the best possible care. So, yeah. so that's, what, that's what really what the debate was about. And um, with a slight digital edge, it's about how does technology help? And, um, mm. and, uh, and I think technology can play a, a significant role in that. Yeah. And so... Um, at Gold Coast, we stood up an initiative about 12 months ago. It's called the Liberate Initiative. And it's, um, it's probably my proudest transformation program. And Liberate's really about liberating our staff and our patients and about using technology to connect the patient and the clinician, but also using technology to make sure that the clinician's focused on care and they're not wandering around having to figure out lots of administration tasks yeah. to, in order to, to actually provide care to that patient. So um, it's, it's a scaled digital workflow agenda, integration, automation, advanced analytics, web, digital assistance. And the best part about Liberate is we're developing it all ourselves. Mm. And so we've gone from constantly procuring in the market, looking for a solution, building out user requirements to, no, let's build our own product-based teams, let's develop with our clinicians and build on platforms that make sense for healthcare because they're our platforms. And so a very different environment that we're working at Gold Coast right now. That's really interesting, and I almost had to double take for a second. It didn't sound like you were speaking from a, you know, a, not picking on Queensland, but just like public hospital system and thinking about innovation and how you build that capability. And it sounds like you're looking at things quite differently at Gold Coast. Yeah, I mean the teams that we brought in that we handpicked inside the Gold Coast Health Digital and Information Service, they were people that didn't work in healthcare. And we brought in an ex-executive from the airline industry. We brought in 
product-based teams that have worked in banking, that have worked in retail. And what they brought in was their thinking about, let's, let's stop thinking about applications. Let's think about products. Let's stop thinking about procurement. Let's think about platforms. Let's stop depending on the market. Let's develop our own. And, um, and I can see the benefits now. The pace at which we move, but m- most importantly, that we're building healthcare products for healthcare workers or we're building patient products that patients can actually use. And we've, we've started to nail this idea that great experiences drive adoption and adoption drives value. And, and that's what it's all about. Last thing then, you know, to, particularly to, you know, different innovators or the, the vendors that might be either attending this event today or, or listening to the podcast, you know, on one hand, it's really exciting to hear about a, a health system that's a hospital health service that's, uh, you know, driving, for, looking for innovation, looking at new ways to do things. At the same time, it's like, oh, well, if they're going to build it all themselves and there's not, you know, an opportunity to, to partner with these types of things, any advice for, for vendors out there that are creating solutions from outside of the system? Look, I think, I think public sector's role is to make sure we're shaping markets. And so um, what we're actually doing is enabling the market to focus on what's really going to be meaningful. Mm. We know we're not going to be able to solve everything. We're not going to be able to build an, an EMR at Gold Coast. Uh, we're not going to be able to produce all the AI ML products that are out that, that are really patient facing or, or really deep in the, in the clinical realms. And so basically what we're offering the market is a, is a way to focus on what's going to be most valuable to them and also ultimately what they can compute across industry as well. So um, although we are, like you said, developing our own solutions and controlling a bit more of our own destiny, we still think there's a really important role for the marketplace to answer the things that are a bit more complicated that there probably is likely going to be more value in the market for them as well. So I'm Alan, um, the CEO of Patient Experience Group. We do uh, strategic advisory and transformation um, for large healthcare organisations, clinics all around Australia and a few international clients as well. Um, but the, the, the main piece that we do is, is strategic advisory and we really get into the nuts and bolts of, especially in this day and age of health data, how do we use it? Yeah. Because we are awash with data. What do we do with all of this data? How do we make meaningful change in our systems, in our organisations, with so much quality information? Mm. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Just before we get on to anything else, because there's that whole conversation that we have in the, the health tech space around how we capture the best quality data and and how to make it more interoperable but then it's kind of like well why like what do, what do we do with this thing yeah that's right in in many healthcare organizations we see it is a means to an end and, and we see entire departments set up just to collect data yeah. and report on data. We see dashboards and some of them are really fantastic. The technology out there is really, really great, but what do we do with this information? And this is what we do at Patient Experience Group. We provide advisory, we do consulting on how we can make changes in organisations, not just from an IT perspective, but organisational change to improve quality for staff, to improve quality for patients, to shorten journeys, to make it easier for everyone to actually get the services that they need. Yeah. And so patient experience, obviously, front and centre with what you do. I guess it makes sense that you're over on the patient experience stage. That's right. Yes, yes. So um, today I was uh, running a panel just earlier talking about some of the emerging risks that were coming out of the digitisation of the health sphere. Um, And there were really powerful discussions in 
what we're seeing, whether it be with remote care, um, which is a, a side effect of COVID, it's something that we all had to go through, but then subsequently something that we are now embracing and living with, where we're able to potentially outsource, as an example, radiology services, where we can have radiologists on the other side of the world during business hours, looking at scans and providing reports. And, and we, we can outsource these things. We can embrace the entire world's uh, resources in order to get the information and at the same time it leads to a depersonalization in healthcare it's a double edged sword where we where we we have access to so many resources and it becomes less personal which is a real challenge because from a patient experience perspective we want things to be more personal more emotive we we know that patients tell us all the time they want connection with their providers and and if we think about what we had in the past we had this great relationship with say our community gp where we would see our GP for 20 years and we would grow up and our parents would take us to the doctor and we'd get to know these people and grow up with them and then take our own children. And now all of a sudden we are stuck in, in positions where there, there is a GP crisis and, and we're, we're not able to get into some of these GPs anymore. And so we see emergency departments awash with patients because there, there are gaps. And then those emergency departments, because they are challenged by resourcing constraints look to then outsource some of these functions and the whole thing just snowballs and patient experience spirals downwards simply because of the way in which we've changed over time yeah way to make me feel like progressively anxious as you went because it's kind of like <laughs> in, in, in a funny way because as you say the snowball it's the snowball it's compounding it's creating pressures and i guess that then bleeds out into what we see with workforce burnout the shortages that you spoke about but the challenges generally we're facing within a in an environment where patient like, increasing chronic disease um and, and other complexities what do we do with all this kind of tricky situation yeah absolutely so it, and and i know it sounds extremely negative and depressing and we're all disconnected and even though we've there, there are more people in the world than ever before and we've got more resources than ever before um it, it seems like we are more and more disconnected because of the way in which we've designed these systems and the way in which we've had to adapt yeah um but some of the exciting things that are actually coming out of this are especially around co-design and it's something that we hear a lot about in the digital health space but it doesn't have to just be about digital health it can be about the way in which we design services and service delivery in healthcare as well and it's something that i'm really passionate about bringing that patient voice and bringing the staff voice whether we we're talking with nurses whether we're talking with doctors specialists allied health providers aged care all of these organizations all of these groups all of these cohorts have something to contribute to this co-design process and if we're all able to get together and, and talk about what the best pathway forward is in a patient-centric way, in an experience-driven way, then the world is all of our oyster. Like, we're going to succeed no matter what, as long as we can bring that voice to the table. And that's, that's not only the challenge, but also the opportunity. And, yeah. and we, we do hear a lot about co-design. We're yet to see organisations truly embrace it from an end-to-end -end perspective, but there are some amazing initiatives out there from large healthcare organisations that really do believe in this stuff. We do hear a lot about ward-to-board type dashboards, ward-to-board measures and metrics, uh, but now we're actually starting to see organisations act on these things, and it's a marvellous space to be in. 
Any other final comments or given that you're going to be chairing up the stage on day two, what are you hoping people take away from that or anything else to close it out? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a really interesting question. I think for me, what I'd love to see people take away from this entire summit is the importance of voice. And I know we're, we're sitting here in front of microphones and we're using our voice in order to communicate and, and get the, this message out. But it, it's something that we really need to not take for granted because that voice and bringing the voice into the room, especially for, for patients that may not necessarily have a voice, if we think about paediatrics as an example, we don't often address children the way in which we would address adults simply because they can't communicate to the same level as, as we can, but it doesn't mean that their voice is any less important. And that's true for every patient, especially patients in minority cohorts, Indigenous patients, aged care. All of these voices are so very, very important. And if there is one message that I'd love to see everyone take away from, from this entire summit, it would be that this voice and bringing this voice into the room is the, the message that we really need to embrace. Hi, I'm Sandra Cook. I'm from ACT Health and I'm the Executive Group Manager of our Digital Health Record program there. Great to have you here. And um, what brings you to the event today? So um, I was a speaker yesterday uh, and was able to talk about the ACT Health digital health record uh, journey that we've just been on mm -hmm. uh, and really uh, proud to be able to talk about the team's efforts there. Uh, we've had really good collaboration across the whole public health system. So uh, really moving on that journey to having a territory-wide solution for our public health system, which is amazing. This is really good opportunity, isn't there, to be able to do something like that, have a territory-wide solution that hopefully can um, obviously service people within the, 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 the territory, but hopefully provide some inspiration to other health systems as well as a demonstration of what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. And in the ACT, we do have a breadth of services that we provide. So um, the public health system's responsible for breast screening, for example, which I know is different to other states and territories models. Um, so we have this opportunity where we can actually connect a whole bunch of um, information um, and uh, hopefully provide a, a better patient experience. Um, you know, one of the things that's been really great with the implementation of the Digital Health Record Program in the ACT has been the patient interaction with their own care. Um, so the patient portal that we have, we've got 185,000 people that have signed up to it. And since we went live in November, 40% of the people who have accessed public health services in Canberra have been using it to help them with their, with their care. Um, some of the patients are getting their pathology results within an hour and a half of having their test done. Um, and they're able to see all of the, uh, you know, scheduled appointments and uh, uh, after-visit summaries, which are in patient language. So it's, um, you know, not discharge summaries for the, for the uh, clinicians, but it's actually, what do I need to do for my healthcare when, now that I've had this interaction with the health service in my simple, plain language, yeah. That's a really important point in itself. And before, I, I wanted to go into that for a second, but just to go back one, for those that might not be totally aware of like the, you know, the breadth of this this transformation. So so it sounds like then it's a, it's uh, a rollout across, not just in the hospital space, but across pathology and different parts of healthcare, bringing everything together. Yes, that's exactly right. We went live with the system um, in our three public hospitals in Canberra, 
in 44 community health centres, uh, five walk-in clinics, and then our justice health as well. So um, it is fully across the territory. So you go into, you know, one hospital here, and then if you're going to a community centre here, they kind of know who you are. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. It's crazy, like right? crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We're sharing information. It's but that, amazing. <laughs> but, and, and, and not only that, but also that point that you raised before, something that I don't think we've been historically good at in healthcare is being able to contextually communicate information. It's one thing to make available a PDF, but it's kind of like, well, what do I do with this information? So that's really great that you've got that front of mind. We can talk about being patient-centric, but unless we're speaking in a language, not just the same language, but in a way that people want Can to understand it, absolutely, mm. yeah. So, I mean, I think there's we're only at the beginning of the journey, of course, you know. Um, uh, we're four months into using the system. We're still issue-resolving, you know, um, but uh, overall, things have gone pretty well and we've got lots of opportunity now to actually expand what we can do. So we started with a pilot uh, for our providers. We've got four GP practices and our Aboriginal um, health service, Wanunga, using our provider portal um, to be able to get more information on, on patients that have been in the public system as well. And we're going to evaluate that in June to see, you know, has that been really um, helpful? What are some of the other things we need to do differently? Uh, we've taken a, a risk-adverse approach with consent models for that. So we need our patients to say, yes, I'm willing to share my public health record with my GP um, uh, because it's a longitudinal record. It's not just about the episode of care. You can see the whole history of the patient. Um, and so uh, that's been a bit risk-averse and we're getting some uh, feedback and information from our GPs on whether that's actually doable. Um, if it's something that is going to be blocking us, we'll look at changing legislation. I was going to ask, you know, lastly then for, you know, those perhaps working in other health systems, living vicariously through the, the great stories that you're sharing today, or even just generally people working in health looking to get, you know, to drive some transformation when it might otherwise feel feel difficult or, or, or stagnated, you know, what would be some of that advice? But some of those things you just mentioned then about getting that feedback along the way and, and iterating and, and doing steps, that's, that's great advice in and of itself. Yeah, definitely. Look, I mean, I think... Um uh, we take a bit of a you only live once approach. <laughs> um, nice. I like um, and I, I definitely did a YOLO moment uh, very early on in uh, the program when uh, the COVID vaccine came out uh, and we had a choice of going with something like a, you know, a um, customer relationship management kind of portal to capture our, our interactions with uh, vaccinations or whether we actually took the leap of faith and just go forward with the digital health record doing that function. Yeah. We had no infrastructure at all uh, at the time we had to make the choice uh, and we really needed to get something out there within three weeks, um, but we did it. We built 56 servers, uh, migrated 1.4 million records from our ACPAS system, uh, got a portal out there for Canberra community to actually like book in for their COVID vaccination appointments. And now we have that data in the longitudinal digital health record for in five to 10 years time, if there's information that's going to be valuable on COVID for us moving forward. So, you know, I think you just have to kind of sometimes go, yes, government's risk adverse, but let's weigh up all of the things that we're looking at and let's give it a go. If it fails... Okay, it fails. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we have to own that. But, you know, um, sometimes I think you have to think about the longer term kind of thing that you're looking to do. Ben Kirella, I'm the Director of Clinical Innovation for Ramsey Connect. What's Ramsey Connect? Ramsey? Ramsey Connect. No, it's a, it's a, 
it's a joint venture actually. So we're a standalone sort of organization um, born out of both Ramsey Hospital Group and mm-hmm. Remedy Healthcare, um, looking at uh, innovative models of healthcare and sort of health reform, I guess, more than anything else. Interesting. And so is that people might know Ramsey as, you know, the physical yep, bricks and mortar yep. hospitals, right? But it's, it's more services, consulting, what's so, the... So look, it's... Um, I guess what we're trying to do is look at models of care that are virtual in, in, in some, so non-bricks and mortar, mm-hmm. and models of care that are all based in the human home. So hospital yeah. and home, rehab in the home, and then a virtual home health service as well. So no bricks, no mortar, no walls. Yeah, interesting. And so you've, you're, you're here at the Australian Healthcare Week event in Sydney, and I think I saw you up on the stage before. What's going on there? Oh, look, um, able to sort of come out here and uh, preach the gospel, I guess, <laughs> of Ramsey Connect <laughs> and the work we're doing. But really, I guess, uh, looking to, I guess, just sort of have a conversation and find the coalition of the willing. We often talk about who are interested to challenge um, how we currently deliver healthcare in Australia, um, look at models of care that currently aren't funded and trying to find ways to, I guess, do things differently. So a yeah, great opportunity to sort of um, you know, meet the fellow people who are in- interested in that space as well. Yeah. And are you, did you see any themes or trends or, or um, key takeaways that you think people might might uh, walk away from this event with, uh, hopefully will then be implemented in their own health settings? It's a sense of frustration mm. um, that things seem to take so long. I think, you know, there is a sense of deja vu often with these conferences where you hear the same, the same conversations over and over again. But I think there's a sense of optimism that we are coming out of COVID into a and I'll, I'll quote the, the panel before me that the future is now. Type, um, and if we can't make change now in Australian healthcare, when can we make change? Hey, Ruby. Hi. Hey, we're at the end of like day two nearly. So um, yeah, thanks for helping on the stand. Pleasure. Thanks for being part of, thanks for being a community ambassador representing Talking Health Tech and chatting with people. How was it? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, thank you for having me here with the networking and I mean, speaking to people, just having so many thought-provoking conversations on the stall, it's just like everyone's gathered around talking about like different parts, whether it's AI and accessibility, whether it's community health, and then just listening to all these conversations and the different perspectives. And it's just, I think it just shadows what you do with your community so well hey look it's, it's great to have you as part of it too and, and, and being a, an ICU nurse I mean there's a lot of conversations that, that I saw you were having that you know you, you were sharing your experiences that, that of things you faced on the front line where technology can make, make a real meaningful impact right yeah and I guess you see that um, I guess the applicability and the implementation of how these things can actually help but all the barriers that come with that and the inability for us to accept technology in our mm. everyday working life, yeah. which is is changing. But, you know, having 10 different databases and 10 different systems that don't speak to each other and yeah. you know, having these conversations about interoperability and all those things is just very interesting because you see it every day and you're dealing with these problems every day yeah. on top of the workforce, like the shortage in the workforce. Yeah. And, being like, oh, this will fix that. Like, instead of wasting half an hour sitting in the computer, yeah. trying to hand things over. Well, that's it. And and we've had a good kind of, you know, front row seat for the digital health stage over here as well and checking out some some sessions here and there. Are there any kind of key things that you're going to hope that people take away from uh, the, the the sessions today? Or what, what do you think are some of those recurring messages that you've heard either from sessions on the stage or even just people speaking to you here at the booth? Well, I think the the key goal here is everyone's here to work out how they can work together to face 
the problems in the healthcare system and that's why I've actually really enjoyed being here because everyone's looking for solutions. And I think the key here is that middle man between the tech and the hospital systems or the tech and the primary care systems and the actual integration of the two. And I think that's where there's barriers, but that's where people talking from each side of the fence Mm. can then come together to solve those issues. I think that's like the key the key message that's come across, yes, there are plenty of barriers and yes, there'll continue to be barriers with the technology and with all the other things, but yeah. that those things are being talked about, I think, I mean, starts with a conversation. Oh, dude, <laughs> freaking nailed it. There you go. That's it. That's done. That's it. <laughs> hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.